0: is going to do some great things tonight. So let's let's read. Let's read the word of the Lord. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation simply because we're reading a dozen verses of Scripture and it helps with the narrative flow. It says, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the south side of the eastern gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet under cubits if you're reading KJV and led me across the water was up to my ankles he measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again this time the water was up to my knees after another 1,750 feet it was up to my waist then he measured another 1,750 feet and the river was too deep to walk across the river took control of him he could no longer determine he could swim in it but he could not walk through and he asked me, the man that was bringing him along said, Have you been watching, son of man? And then he led me back along the river bank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, The river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from En to Englame. The, sho- the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun, fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and the swamps will not be purified. They will still be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall. And there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food. And the leaves for healing. And I want to preach tonight on this subject. There is a river. There is a river. I wonder if you are hungry and desiring for the river of God to flow in this house tonight. That you would just lift your hands and lift your heart up to Jesus and say God let that river flow in this house Jesus I pray that your word which is forever settled in heaven God would meet the human heart over the next few moments and I pray Jesus that your power would flow that your power would fall Lord Jesus that you would have your way give us ears to hear give us a heart to receive Lord, what the Spirit would say to your church in this hour. Bless us, we pray, in the name of Jesus Christ. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord before you're seated. Praise God. You may be seated. Ezekiel was 30 years old. It was the year he was to begin... His service in the temple as a priest of God, as did his father before him and his father before him and undoubtedly his father before him. It was an honor and a sacred duty, a task that he had trained for his entire life, beginning from the young age of being a little boy where he would learn the words Of God, and he would memorize the scriptures. No doubt, in the tradition of many priests leading up to their 30th year of inaugurating into ministry, he would have memorized the entire Pentateuch, if not large swaths of the prophets and the Psalms. But it was not to be. For when he was 25, Babylon attacked Jerusalem, and he had been captured and led away as a prisoner. An exile from the people of God. And at the beginning of the book of Ezekiel, instead of donning priestly robes and launching into his dream job, his dream calling, the calling of a generation that had been passed from his father who had got it from his father before him. He's now living in a refugee camp sitting beside the Kibar River. But it is here. That God meets with him, not in Jerusalem, but in the refugee camp as he sits on the banks of the Kabar River. And Ezekiel has a vision where he comes face to face with the glory of God. And it's so very important that we read parts of this initial vision together because it's going to help us understand where we're going to be going tonight. And so in Ezekiel chapter 1, beginning at verse 4, we're going to read verses 4 through 9. And then 26 and 28 just to capture a little bit of this vision. Ezekiel is sitting on the banks and he says, As I looked, I saw a great storm coming from the north. Driving before it a huge cloud that flashed with lightning and shone with brilliant light. There was fire inside the cloud. And in the middle of the fire glowed something like gleaming amber. In other translations molten metal. And from the center of the cloud came four living beings that looked human. Except, and I it's probably shouldn't make jokes about the Bible, but I laughed out loud when I read this part. Because he said that the angels looked human, except that they had four faces. Other than that, looked just like people. <laughs> anyway, sorry, i supposed to be serious and all this stuff. But I laugh out loud when I read this stuff. Their legs were straight and their feet had hooves, so they looked just like people except for the cow feet. Like those. <laughs> <laughs> they shone like burnished bronze. Under each of their four wings, I could see human hands. This is a spectacular vision. With each of the four beings had four faces and four wings, and the wings of each living being touched the wings beside it, and each one moved straight forward in any direction without turning around. And it goes on. What he's seeing is this throne chariot of God coming in the middle of a storm that looks. Like molten metal and flashes of lightning and roars of thunder. And these beings, they were attached to wheels underneath this chariot of God. And wherever their mind told, these wheels were omnidirectional. Wherever they told, their mind told the wheels to go. Ezekiel said the spirit of the beings was also in the wheels. And the, the, the throne room of God would move in just about any direction. He continues on throughout the chapter to describe this amazing and spectacular vision of these beasts that had wings. Beasts that had wings and they would move one direction to another. And then in verse 26 he says above this surface was something that looked like a throne. Made of blue lapis lazuli. And I googled what that was. It's this blue semi-precious stone with flecks of gold. And it would glimmer and gleam when it is polished. It's sparkling and it's beautiful. And then he says on this throne high above. Was a figure whose appearance resembled a man. From what appeared to be his waist up. He looked like the molten metal that I saw coming in the middle of the storm. Flickering like fire. And From his waist down he looked like a burning flame. Shining with splendor. All around him was a glowing halo. Like a rainbow shining in the clouds on a raining day. This is what the glory of the Lord looked like to me. And when I saw it, I fell down, I fell face down on the ground. And I heard someone's voice speaking to me. As Ezekiel is sitting in exile, instead of awaiting to start his dream job, but living in a refugee camp, he comes face to face with the chariot carrying the glory of God. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is God's self-expression and revelation to His people. The glory of God is the manifestation of God's presence. So much so that when you read the glory of God in Scripture, it becomes a stand-in for God. That when you read and they saw the glory of God, what it means is they saw a concentration in a singular moment in time of God Himself. See, God fills the whole universe, and it is impossible for anything to contain the power and the might of God. It is impossible for the human mind to understand the largeness of God and the vastness of God. But God, despite His vastness and His largeness, has the ability to reveal Himself to people, and the expression of Himself is called His glory. The expression of his presence the incomprehensible vastness that you cannot even begin to imagine but when he manifests it in front of you so you can see it with your own eyes it's called his glory and in the scripture the glory of God was a very big deal he didn't share his glory with another it is his self revelation and his alone the glory was the concentration of divine power It came in Ezekiel's vision with lightning and flashes and thunder roars and earth shaking because it was the manifestation of the power and the might of God. The glory of God is God showing you who He is and what He is like. When you see God's glory you can walk away and say my mind cannot comprehend how great God is. But since I have seen his glory I have seen God. And I know what he is like. And I know who he is. And the glory of God that day on the banks of the Kibar River appears to Ezekiel. And gives him his purpose and his mission. But it is also odd and strange and unexpected. Because the glory of God wasn't supposed to be on the banks of the Kibar River. The glory of God was not in the temple of Jerusalem anymore. It was supposed to be there. See, God filled the universe. But His glory had a dwelling place. God filled the whole world. But God's glory had an address. And from this place, God would rule and reign and speak and direct and commune with His people. And that place was supposed to be the temple in Jerusalem. It was supposed to be the tabernacle of God because Exodus chapter 25 verse 8 says and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. The plan of the tabernacle or the plan of the temple in Jerusalem was that it would be the address where you could find God. The temple was the intersection of the world of God and the world of man. The temple was the meaning place where spirit and earth came together. And people could see the glory and the face of God. The glory of God would hover physically and he would be embodied by a cloud or a pillar of fire in the tabernacle in the desert and he would hover over the Ark of the Covenant in between the cherubims and and the glory of God would meet the children of Israel and God's revelation of himself would collide with human hearts and he would speak and he would direct whatever you needed you got it at the temple if you needed forgiveness you went to the temple when Israel needed redemption, they went to the temple on the day of atonement. When you needed to be anointed for service, you went to the temple. When the people wanted to get direction as to what to do next, they would go to the temple because God was there. That's where, that's his address. That's where you met him. That's his place. But in Ezekiel's vision, God is not there. He's not in the temple. The glory has left. We find out why in chapter 10. And that's idolatry. And the people of Israel were openly worshipping false gods. Right in the house of God's glory. Right at the address of His presence. And God won't share His glory with another. So He sees a vision where the glory of God in this same chariot. In this same throne. Lifts up off. The holiest of holies and fades off into the sky as he leaves God's glory, leaves and abandons his people to their sin. Ezekiel prophesies to the exiles that are there and his, his prophecies are wild. The beginning of his ministry is street theater. It's it's stuff that if we did today, you'd think I was nuts. He cuts off his hair and lights it on fire and said, that's what God's going to do to you. He lies on one side for 390 days while he cooks special Ezekiel. It's called Ezekiel bread at the market. But he cooks it over some questionable fuel sources. And uh, those of you that know the Bible know what I'm talking about. And then he makes a model of the city of Jerusalem and then stomps all over it like some big Godzilla and says, this is what... God is going to do to those that remain in Jerusalem. And and they will not listen. The people of God will not obey. They will not turn and repent. And so destruction rains down upon Jerusalem. And the biggest catastrophe that could ever happen in the life of the people. As Jerusalem falls. And in chapter 33 of Ezekiel. The temple is destroyed. Everything Ezekiel has predicted, has come true. But in the middle of the ashes of judgment, there arises a promise of a future hope. And after Jerusalem is destroyed, God says, through Ezekiel, that I myself will return like a shepherd, and I will bring my people. I will come as a new David. As a new promised son. As a new king. And I will rescue my people from the corners of the earth. I myself, I will not send another, but I will come myself and I will gather my people to my, back to me. And then he gives us eight chapters of these stunning and beautiful visions of what God is going to do as he redeems his people. But for our purposes, we're going to look at chapter forty. In 42, after the destruction of Jerusalem and the promise of future hope, Ezekiel gets these these visions in 40 and 42 that there is going to be a new and reconstructed city. He gets a vision of a new temple that will be restored and rebuilt. And then in chapter 43, the glory of God, which has abandoned Israel, returns. And hovers over this temple so that God's glory, God's person, God's self-revelation can be discovered again. It says in Isaiah 43, 1 through, or Ezekiel 43, 1-7, After this the man brought me back to the east gateway and suddenly the glory of the God of Israel appeared from the east. The sound of His coming was like the roar of rushing waters and the whole landscape shone with its glory. This vision was just like the others I had seen. This is really important. He said the return of God's glory was just as magnificent and it was just the same like the glory I had seen on the banks of the Kibar River and it was just like the glory I had seen walk away from the temple before Israel was destroyed. The sound of His coming was like the roar of rushing waters and the whole landscape shone with His glory like the others I had seen first by the Kibar River and then when He came to destroy Jerusalem, I fell face down on the ground and the glory of the Lord came into the temple through the east gateway. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me into the inner courtyard and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And I heard someone speaking from within the temple while the man who had been measuring stood beside me. And the Lord said, Son of man, this is the place of my throne. This is the place where I will rest my feet. in this new temple I will live here forever among my people. They and their kings will not defile my holy name any longer by their adulterous worship of other gods or by honoring the relics of their kings who have died. Ezekiel, while Jerusalem is no doubt still smoldering, receives A vision of a new temple. And as he sees this new temple being built. In this brand new city. He sees the glory of God come back. And God says in this new temple. I will never depart. And my people will be able to find me. And get direction here forever. And from this new temple. We find ourselves where we began. Flows a river. From this new temple where God's glory. Glory has returned. There flows a river that comes out of the front steps until it becomes not just a trickle, but something that is able to captivate anyone that gets caught in its flow. And everything this river touches comes to life. The river brings dead things back to life. It even goes to the Dead Sea. A sea that had been dead for so long. Nothing could live there. No fish could survive. Nothing can be sustained. But the moment this trickle from this new temple touches that Dead Sea. It did not matter how dead it was. Dead comes alive. And not only does this river bring the dead back to life. It has sustaining power so those things that come back to life they stay alive and they bear fruit things that stay connected to this river grow and thrive and it brings healing healing for the mind healing for the body healing for the soul healing for the heart it's beautiful but the book of Ezekiel ends without showing fulfillment see Ezekiel shows the judgment And ends with a promise that is never realized at the end of the story. And we're faced with the dilemma. Where can I find this glory? Where can I find this temple? Because we need this river. Because I may have told you the story about Israel. But I could have been talking about anyone here in this room. I may have told you the story of Israel's abandonment of God and their deep need of God, and their deep the, the things that they needed God to do for them. I used them as the story because that's where Ezekiel is positioned in in the in the story of all of Scripture, but I could have been talking about any nation. I could have been talking about Canada. I could have been talking about Fredericton. I could have been talking about any family or anyone because we like sheep have all gone astray and we in our brokenness have worshiped at the altar of false gods that cannot hear our cries and it may not have been a statue, it may not have been an idol, but it was money or it was immorality or it was possessions or it was pride or it was fame and everything in our life was made to serve the false gods made to bow to the idol. You look at an alcoholic. And, and you look at how they live their life. Don't you dare think. That alcoholism is not an idol to them. Where their children are made subservient. To the drink that they have to have. Every day. To the workaholic. Don't you dare tell me. That the job is not an idol. As their whole spiritual life. Bows to their career. And the money are made. But instead of in these false gods. We do not Find life, we do not find hope, but we find ourselves exiled from God and spiritual drought and great emptiness of the soul, refugees from the house of God, lost, separate, and like Israel was captive in Babylon, all of humanity is held in captivity by sin. So again, where is the glory? Where is the temple? Because we need this river in order to answer this question. We have to go all the way, all the way into the New Testament. And we find ourselves in the very first chapter... In the very first chapter. Written by the youngest disciple of Jesus. As he's writing to Jewish believers. To show them that Jesus is the Christ. And he is the Messiah. And in the beginning episode of his book. He incorporates an old hymn. That the early church would sing together. When they would gather in their house churches. Or when they would gather for prayer in hiding. And here's what John said. He said in the beginning. Beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made in him was life and the life was the light of men in verse 14 and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory is the only begotten. Of the Father, full of grace and truth. Where is the glory? The glory is Jesus, because Jesus is the glory of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says who being the brightness of his glory the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. God's glory is God showing you who he is and what he is like and when you see the glory of God you can walk away and say God fills the universe but I have seen his glory and thus I have seen God. I have God has manifested himself to me God has revealed himself to me I know who God is and I know what he is like Jesus Christ is the glory of God this is why this revelation of the name of Jesus is so important it's God showing you who he is Jesus is the glory of God because Jesus is God 1 Timothy 3.16 without controversy great is the mystery of godliness God was manifest in the flesh justified in the spirit seen by angels preached among the Gentiles believed on in the word received up into glory Colossians chapter 2 8 and 9 beware Beware lest anyone cheat you from this glorious truth. Beware lest anyone through vain philosophy. Beware lest anyone trying to jump into your mind through complicated theological hoops. That do not have anything to do with the word of God. Beware according to the tradition of men. According to the basic principles of the world. And not according to Christ. For in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in Him who is above all principalities and powers. Jesus is the glory of God. If you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus. If you want to see the face of God, you look at Jesus. If you want to see the thunder and the power and the sovereignty and the might, you look at Jesus. Clap your hands to the Lord right now. Praise God. Praise. John said, We beheld His glory. But in that verse 14, He answers the other question for us at the same time. See, Jesus is not just the glory of God, Jesus is also the temple of meeting. Because in verse 14, the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. We miss it in English. But those that were reading in the original languages. Their eyes would have popped out of their head. Because John literally says. And the word was tabernacled in a human body. And dwelt among us means moved into the neighborhood. The reason why Jesus Christ called himself the son of God. It's because the sun means God incarnate in a human body. And like the temple in Jerusalem was an intersection of heaven meeting earth. Like the temple in Jerusalem was the world of God intersecting with the world of human hearts. So is Jesus. Jesus is the place where you find God. He is the new temple. He is the house of God's glory because John writes the words of Jesus the Jews answered and said to him what sign do you show us since you do these things and Jesus said to them destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you will raise it in three days. Then John says, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. What Ezekiel saw in the vision of a new temple. That would be the house of the unmitigated glory of God. Was the person of Jesus Christ. Except this time, the glory of God is not in a building. He's not in a tent. He's not in a house. But He is in a living breathing human being that is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. It is God identifying with us by becoming like us. Moving into our neighborhood so that He could experience life as a human being gripped by the same physical frailties that you face when you get up in the morning and your back aches and your joints creak and the, the ailments of your body weigh you down. The glory of God moved into the human neighborhood so that he could live life just like you. See Jesus Christ is simultaneously the glory of God revealed and the meeting place where the world of heaven touches earth. And just like the temple, if you need if you need forgiveness. If you need deliverance, if you got guilt you can't atone for, if you've got dirt on your hands for the things that you have done, just like the temple, you bring your sin to Jesus, and He, be, he becomes for you your forgiveness. If you need anointing for service, if you know you cannot fulfill the purpose for God on your own, you go to the temple and you receive the anointing that. That you need if you need to hear the voice of God, if you are a young person and you're trying to figure out what school do I go to what career do I have if you are faced with an opportunity at your job and you're not sure if you should take that if you should take that promotion or you should move to that company or if you're a parent and you're trying to navigate the complications of raising children in a pagan world and you need direction to speak from the throne room of God, you You go to Jesus Christ, and you get everything that you need. Look to Jesus; He's the glory, He's the temple. But where is the river? Where is this river of life? Where can the river be found? John again, chapter nineteen. says they came to Jesus and they saw that he was already dead they did not break his legs he had already cried Eli, Eli, Lema, Sabath, he had already given up the ghost it says in the next verse but one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and immediately blood and water flowed out When they crucified Jesus... And they pierced his side. Outflowed blood and outflowed water. From the new temple of God's glory, offered up as an offering, from the temple, there came a trickle of water that would fill the earth. Jesus is trying to tell us, I'm who you're looking for. If you're looking for the river, if you're looking for the temple, if you're looking for the. No wonder the old songwriters wrote, it's all in Him. It's all in Him. The fullness of the Godhead. Jesus is trying to tell us everything we need. Jesus is the river. He's the river of life. He's trying to tell us from His teaching until His death. That he is the river of living water. In John 4 he said to the woman seated at the well. The woman who had messed her life up. He said if you knew who I was. You would ask for a drink of water. Because the water I would give you. You'll never thirst again. The water I shall give you will become in him a fountain of water. Springing up into everlasting life. And in John 7 on the feast of tabernacles. On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. But then in John 14, he said, I will pray the Father. And he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus is trying to tell us that he is the glory, he is the temple, and he is the river. Even at the end of time, he gives John, the disciple, another vision. In Revelation 22, he showed me a pure river of water, of life clear as crystal. Proceeding from the throne, singular by the way, of God and of the Lamb. And then you go down and it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you of these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts, come. Whoever desires to let him Take of the water of life freely at the end of time John sees a vision of the Lamb of God the glory of God seated on a throne and proceeding from Him comes a river listen, Jesus is God Jesus, He is the Son and Jesus is the Holy Ghost whatever you need you just need to look at Jesus whatever you brought in here tonight you need to look at Jesus Jesus in Jesus is the revelation of God. in Jesus is your place of redemption and in Jesus is the river of life for your soul clap your hands to the Lord. Oh my goodness. I'm done. I'm getting ready to close musicians please hurry I should have called you back like five minutes ago. Jesus is the glory. Jesus is the temple. Jesus is the river, and in the river there is hope for your life. In the river there is direction for your soul. If you can get deep enough in this river, if you can get so deep into this river where you're not in control anymore, you'll find your soul being raised to life. You'll find your soul not only being raised alive, but it will stay alive. That's why the old song said, it's all over me and it's keeping me alive. Jesus is keeping me alive. Because the spirit of Jesus Christ has the ability, not not just to raise your soul from the death of your sin. But it has the ability to keep you alive until you see the Lord in glory. It has the ability, no matter the season the church finds itself in. To bear fruit and to bear life and to bear hope. All you've got to do is stay connected to Jesus. Whatever you need is here. There is a river, there is a river, there is a river. And that river is Jesus. And the Spirit is saying through the Revelator, the Spirit and the bride say come. If you're thirsty, come. If you're weary, come. If you are a parent trying to figure out how to navigate raising your kids, you can come to this river. If you're a senior citizen trying to, worried about your family and worried about your retirement or worry about your health, you can come and you can find hope in this river. If you are a young adult and you are worried about your future, you can come to this river. The river is here because Jesus is here. He is the river of life. If you're sick in your body, if you have pain in your body, you can come here and because the river is here. You can be healed. There is a fresh touch. There is a refreshing of the Holy Spirit that is Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, that is in this room right now. Could we stand together? Jesus is the glory of God. Jesus is your place to meet God. And Jesus is the river of life that can satisfy your soul. And that river is in this room right now. If you need restoration because you've fallen, the river is here. If there's faith in you that has died, the river is here. All God is looking for, is for somebody just to reach out to him for somebody just to lift their hand and say Jesus I need you Jesus I want you God let your river of your glory that flows from your temple let it flood into my life it's here right now do you believe it? do you believe that there's healing here right now? do you believe that there's strength right now? Do you believe that there's hope right now? Do you believe it? You want to know what's crazy? What's crazy is last night I dislocated a bone in my foot. I came up here and I nearly fell coming into the altar call because I couldn't walk. Hey, bro hey bro you remember how you had to help me down the stairs into the apartment because I couldn't walk down the stairs because my foot was swollen but at some point between walking into this building and walking up into this pulpit the glory of God began to move in this room and all of a sudden I was not able to put any weight on this foot I was not able to put any weight on this leg and all of a sudden the glory of the Lord began to flow as we began to sing and then what Why is it the river of life is in this room? So why don't you go ahead and give him praise? Why don't you go ahead and magnify him? Why don't you go ahead and lift him up? Why don't you go ahead and glorify him? Because the river of life is here. And if Jesus can heal this short preacher from Ontario so he can preach the word to you, imagine what he can do in this room if you would just get desperate enough to take another step into the river of life. It's here in the name. of I know we can't come to the altar, all of us. But we can turn this whole room into a place of prayer. And whatever you need, the river of heaven is in this room. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the glory of God in Christ Jesus is here by His Spirit. <laughs> I want you to lift your hands right now. I'm going to pray over you. And when I say in Jesus' name, I want you to cry out to God. It is impossible for me to pray for every need. But I don't have to because the river of heaven is in this room. Lord, we have lifted you up. And you have said, if I be lifted up. I will draw all men unto me. So, Lord, whatever is represented in this room, healing, infilling, restoration, fresh faith, fresh hope, restoration of life, restoration of marriage, restoration of children. Lord, whatever it is, we speak it right now in the name of Jesus. May the river that flows from your throne room, oh God, may it saturate this entire room. And I speak healing. And I speak. be healed, be renewed, and be restored. In Jesus' name, lift your voice to God. Lift your voice to God. Lift your voice to God. But the Lord told me in prayer he said that my people are weary and I want them to be refreshed in my presence I don't know who this is for in particular but if you have been weary you may not have a great big need you may not have a doctor's report that you're looking towards or you're facing but you're just weary you're worn out life has been grinding down on you and the stress is starting to get to you there is a river that is in this room and while I'm thankful for every new person that receives the gift of the Holy Ghost on a Sunday and speaks in tongues for the very first time I am also happy and excited and people who love Jesus with all of their heart lift their hands in His presence. And the river of life that's already inside their soul begins to spring up and every dry, every dusty, every cracked, every weary place, every stressed out place can be made whole and renewed in the presence of the Lord. Here's what God wants right now. This wonderful worship team is going to keep singing. They're going to sing whatever, they, whatever God lays on their heart. And it can be easy to just stare on the words of the screen and clap along and bounce along with the beat. But God's not wanting your bounce. God's not wanting your clap right now. He's wanting you to reach out to Him because He sees the burden that you're carrying every day. He sees the stress. He sees the weariness of your heart. And He said, if you'll just take another step deeper into that river of life, there's hope, there's healing, and there is times of refreshing that will come from the presence of the Lord if you're in need of spiritual renewal in your life I just want you to lift your hands up to the Lord right now that's it if you're filled with the Holy Ghost As the Lord so prompts and leads, I want you just to begin to pray in that heavenly language. I don't worry about a person around you. Don't worry about who's beside you. Don't worry about what we're going to sing or what we're going to do next. You just say, Lord, I want the river. God, I need the river. Jesus, let the river of life quench my thirsty soul. That's it. You can tap into it because you know where the river of life can be found. It's in the Holy Spirit of Jesus that is already inside your soul. Go ahead and take another step. That's it, church. Go ahead and lift your voice. Go ahead and take another step. If you need to symbolize it, why don't you take a step to the next chair beside you or maybe out into the aisle just a little bit and say, God, I'm going to go a step deeper. God, I'm going to go a step deeper deeper because I want this river Lord. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. As they sing as they sing you pray as they sing you seek as they sing you take another step into the river of life. Yeah.